Eliza, aren't you? Yes. My name is Emily. I've been looking for you. Hi there, everyone. Welcome back to Lupine Transmissions. I'm your host, Tom G. Wolf, and today we're going to be talking about uh, the Lucio Fulci film, The Beyond. Now, I will just give you a heads up. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different than usual. Um, it's been a kind of chaotic couple of weeks since the last episode came out at this end. Not for any bad reasons, I should add, but I've started a new job and had a couple of other things going on, so it, it's been a bit of a mad dash. Uh, but I wanted to make sure we didn't miss an episode, so tonight I'm sitting here uh, working away on my own. Uh <laughs> And, uh, you know, look, I, I know it's a bit different and it's going to be a little bit shorter than usual, but I still hope you get a lot out of it. And uh, programming should be back to, to normal relatively soon too. But I suspect occasionally we'll have these little, um, I guess, interstitial episodes. And uh, as I said, I hope you enjoy them. Um, but uh, I guess today we're going to be talking about, as I said at the top there, the Beyond, which is uh, also known as Ladalia. Uh, in in its original Italian. Um, now today I'm going to be primarily uh, going off an article that I actually wrote some years ago for a, for a sadly now defunct website called the Robots Pajamas, and uh, so you may have seen it there if we've been friends uh, in real life or online for for some time now. Or conversely, you may have read a version of it that was published in the very first uh, Lupine Transmission zine, which came out back in, oh, I want to say, yeah, in 2019 it was. So uh, if some of this is a bit familiar, that's okay. Uh, hopefully you'll enjoy hearing me read it as opposed to just reading it for yourself. Uh, and convert. There are a couple of little different things in there, not drastically, but... Uh, you know, a couple, a couple of little flourishes of my own that all come in, um, you know, as a result of, uh, you know, needing to alter it for the spoken format rather than just written. And conversely, if you haven't read it before, I, I hope you get a lot out of this. And if you, in turn, if you haven't already seen The Beyond, I hope it encourages you to go watch it. So here we go. So back in the mid-aughts, so we're talking about sort of 2005 up till about 2009 and even beyond there, I lived in a succession of share houses, and I spent most of those years working terrible jobs for very little money, uh, but the upside of this period was it was also a golden time watching horror films. So a good friend of mine at the time was very big on Italian horror films in particular, so together we worked our way through classics such as Suspiria, uh, Zombie Flesh Eaters, uh, or just Zombie as it's known over in the US, Cannibal Holocaust, uh, Dr. Butcher MD, or Zombie Holocaust as we call it over here, and Burial Grounds, The Knights of Terror, among a few others as well whose names have escaped me. <laughs> um, now, during this time, uh, The Beyond became a real point of intrigue for us. Uh, we'd seen a trailer for it on the aforementioned Cannibal Holocaust DVD, which at the time got a very nice reissue from uh, Grindhouse releasing. Uh, which had um, Sylvester Stallone, sadly now deceased son, Sage Stallone involved with the company. 
Uh, and uh, they were sort of setting themselves up to release a whole bunch of unusual, weird, and, and just bizarro films that hadn't necessarily had conventional releases before. And Cannibal Holocaust, I believe, was their first one. They put that out maybe 2006 or 2007. Uh, the, the date escapes me off the top of my head. Um, and they had also had plans to release The Beyond and also another film called Gone with the Pope. Um, both of those releases eventually did come out. <laughs> but at the time, you know, we were sort of given the impression that they'd be coming quite recently and particularly with Gone with the Pope, that didn't end up being the case. I, I don't think that made it out till about 2012 or something. Um, but with that said, one of the trailers on the DVD, as I mentioned, was for The Beyond. Now, it was very, very cryptic. Uh, you know, it gave away very little as to what it was actually about. Uh, it had an unsettling soundtrack that you could hear on, on the trailer and a mysterious blind girl who stood in the middle of the highway. Uh, but, but just what sort of film was this? You know, it was even as, even as two guys who liked odd stuff, it was definitely outside of our wheelhouse, I would say. So eventually this friend of mine took the plunge and he ordered a copy online. Um, now, you've got to remember this was probably about 2007 or 2008. So it, uh, I was very much late coming to one online shopping i know that ebay has been around since 1999 or something like that but uh online shopping was not something i readily got behind for a variety of reasons part of it was just lack of money <laughs> uh, but certainly there was also an element of being very suspicious of online buyers and particularly with dvds too because you know over here we we run things on the pal format but there was always the risk you might order something and get it find out it was an ntsc uh, and then you'd be unable to play it. <laughs> um, but however he did it, and look, to be honest, it was probably nothing more outlandish or exotic than just going to eBay. Uh, he ended up uh, ordering it and having it arrive. So he watched it, said he'd enjoyed it, and passed it on to me for viewing. And a few weeks later, after that, I sat down and watched it alone in a darkened room on one overcast afternoon. I, I think it was um, probably a Sunday afternoon, something like that. I didn't really know what to expect other than that it was probably going to be pretty gory. Um, now, this this was not a huge surprise because by this point we had already seen zombie flesh eaters and we knew that it was the same director, um, Lucio, the aforementioned Lucio Fulci. Um, now, The Beyond certainly was gory, but to characterize it as just another trashy grindhouse gore film would be quite inaccurate. Uh, rather, it sort of ended up striking quite a deep chord with me, uh, in uh, kind of uh, because of some of its shortcomings, I think. Um, you know, it's got terrible dubbing, but it also, you know, of, of English dialogue over over the top, uh, it, but it's got a really sort of eerie and haunting soundtrack. Um, the violence is incredibly graphic, but also incredibly cheap-looking. Uh, it's got a weird sort of H.P. Lovecraft kind of tone going on in terms of the the way it approaches the story and the idea of sort of supernatural powers beyond all human comprehension and that sort of thing. Uh, but on top of that, it's also quite a, a sort of weird and incoherent film, and it has a particularly bizarre and seemingly arbitrary ending. Uh, <laughs> uh, but together, it all kind of formed a concoction that really unnerved me for a long time afterwards. I remember feeling quite sort of haunted by it after I watched it, um, which my, my take is, is sort of on the line that horror is something that you, uh, and I know I keep going back to the wrestling analogy on every episode I ever do, so sorry about that guys, but I think at, at this point you're either on board with that or you're not. 
um you know horror if you're in the right mindset uh it doesn't even necessarily have to be a particularly good horror film it can really unsettle you and make you feel uneasy um but if you are in a sort of different frame of mind or or you're not sort of in the mood for it then uh you know it's some of the silliest stuff you could ever watch you know <laughs> and to be honest very much in that category like if someone watched this and told me it was totally laughable i i would you know i wouldn't have much to contest against that but i know for my own part it really evoked some Thing that I was looking for in horror films at the time, which was this sort of sense of weird dread and uh, a sort of just, uh, it, it was so, I, I would have been maybe 22 at this point and it was just so outside of the wheelhouse of so many other films I'd seen, you know, because uh, growing up in Australia, I'd come from very much a background of watching a lot of slasher films like Friday the 13th and um, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street and all those stuff. And I, I love all that stuff. It's great. You know, I, I, I don't uh, feel that one genre of horror is necessarily better than the other. But The Beyond was very much, uh, I think, important for expanding me to, to different types of things and showing me just how strange some things could be. Um, now, as for the film itself, uh, The Beyond is a simple enough story. So a heroine, Liza, uh, who's played with admirable conviction by Katrina McCall, inherits a hotel in Louisiana uh, and sets about restoring it with the aim of turning it into a profitable business. But naturally, there's a catch. Some decades before, a young artist was murdered in the hotel by a group of local yokels who believed his disturbing artwork to be a sign that he was some kind of warlock. Now, his murder apparently opened up some kind of gate to another realm. Po possibly hell, it, it's not really clear on it, and I think if you want to watch this, you'll have to... Um, resign yourself to a lot of things not being very clearly explained. <laughs> uh, but either way, it's a place where the dead can re-enter the world of the living. Uh, the workmen on the hotel start dying off pretty quickly, uh, falling victim to the to the un resurrected artist who, who comes back in some kind of undead or zombified form, or maybe it's demonic. Again, it's, it's not terribly clear. Um, at which point a mysterious blind woman then shows up who serves as both exposition and enigma. So by all indications, she's the lover of the artist who we see being murdered several decades earlier. Um, but you're not really clear on whether she, what she's actually been doing for the last several decades, um, whether she's real or just the hallucination that Eliza is, <clears throat> not Eliza, sorry, Eliza is having. Um, but beyond this, the, the pot, you, you know, that's about all you need to know about the story. Uh, beyond that, and uh, <laughs> beyond pun, uh, it mostly serves as a series of tenuous setups for the violent deaths of the supporting characters. Uh, and look, in, if you're a horror fan, you'll know that that's a big draw card on its in and of itself. I mean, we've seen the Final Destination series sort of entirely predicated on nothing but that. <laughs> um, the special effects are definitely a mixed bag, and, and there's a real Venn diagram between disturbing and totally crap, which, which overlap quite often. Um, I think that's a big part of the film's charm. Um but with that said, not everyone felt as strongly in, in such a positive way about this film. Um, Roger Ebert was scathing in his review, giving it a half star and noting that this movie is being revived around the country for midnight cult showings. Midnight is not late enough. Uh, which, which is a very, as much as I admire Roger Ebert, it's a super Roger Ebert thing to say. Um, 
Elvira apparently also refused to host a censored version of it. Um, so uh, apparently back in the 80s, Elvira had, a, as well as having her own TV show and sort of acting as a horror host, she had a series of videos released under a thriller, under the label Thriller Video, where she'd kind of, I guess it was more or less like a TV show, where she'd act as the host for these movies and pop up midway through and give commentary and that sort of thing. So there was a censored version released on um, her video imprint uh, under the title Seven Doors of Death, and uh, she refused to host that. Some of her supporting cast did instead. And I guess I can kind of see why. I wouldn't really say it's on brand for Elvira. You know, you, you can certainly make a case for portions of the Beyond being kind of campy or silly, but but not in the sort of way that, that you would expect Elvira to see. Um, and I guess, too, and this will not come as a shock to anyone who knows anything about the history of horror in general, let alone the 80s, uh, you know, plenty of initial releases of the film were, were heavily censored, and I can only imagine, given that the the current versions that do the round seem to be largely uncensored, um, you know, they're, they're not coherent. It, it, you know, it doesn't tell terribly a coherent story in and of itself, so I can only imagine that the censored versions are far worse. <laughs> now... I think the the big thing that we need to talk about uh, when we talk about the beyond is uh, the this is the scene that probably probably exemplifies the weird and disturbing slash laughable aesthetic of the film's gore, and it's the scene where a group of spiders eat a guy's face. Uh, so um, it is unsettling in the context, yet incredibly fake, but it's even more pronounced um, watching it on Blu-ray, which which is usually the way you'll find the movie these days. Um, I am a staunch advocate that not every movie needs to come out on Blu-ray, and I think The Beyond is uh, definitely a great example of that, because um, it does definitely highlight just how rubbish some of this stuff looks. And I guess if if you could watch it in an ideal fashion, you, you'd wa- you might watch it on on a crummy, washed out VHS on, on a cathode ray TV. But you know, to be honest, that's uh, you know much more difficult to do these days. So I guess maybe if you have the choice, split the difference and, and go for the DVD version instead, rather than the Blu-ray if you have the choice. Now. Um, obviously the violence in and of itself generated a lot of controversy, but I would argue that maybe the ending is even more controversial, not because it's particularly violent in, or, you know, though it is unsettling. Um, I won't go into all the details here because I don't want to spoil it for people who might want to watch it, but suffice to say, it, it doesn't make very much sense, even in the context of the larger film, and how it's in and of itself pretty internally inconsistent. Um, But uh, to describe it as ambiguous would be to understate things pretty thoroughly. Now, this is also a criticism that you can level at a number of other things in the film. There's a lot of backstory that the film could have capitalized on, uh, such as the Necronomicon-esque book Ebon, um, the exact nature of the blind girl and, you know, just in and of itself why the artist has waited literal decades to resurrect. Uh, um, but Fulci sort of seems pretty content to, to throw away seemingly important plot points in favour of simply having more gore. Now, that is kind of fun, don't get me wrong, and thematically uh, I guess it works too because it does sort of fit, as I mentioned, the... the 
earlier, you know, it does have that sort of H.P. Lovecraft vibe where incomprehensible things are happening to ordinary people and they don't really understand why. They're just sort of caught along for the ride, whether or not they like it. Um, I guess if you don't enjoy it as the viewer, you always have the option to switch off, though. <laughs> uh, now, some of this can be understood in the light of the film's production itself. So Fulci was originally planning to make a non-linear haunted house film. So to be fair, the movie was never going to spell things out for audiences in the first place. Um, but his investors at the time apparently weren't happy with this uh, because Fulci had kind of made his name on zombie films and so his investors were coming to him saying, well, it's great that you want to make this haunted house film, but what about some more zombies? So, and, and that's not totally surprising either. Like, you know, you have to remember when this came out in 1981, Dawn of the Dead had only been a few years before and that was a massive hit in Italy. Um, Fulci's own Zombie Flesh Eaters, which had been marketed against his will, I should add, as a sequel to, to Dawn of the Dead in Italy. Uh, and there, there were various other films doing the rounds at the time too. You know, Fulci had already done House by the Cemetery as well, which also prominently features the undead, um, which if you've seen that, you'll, you'll be well aware of. So... Uh, with that said, I think Fulci was sort of, you know, he was churning out films at a rate of knots, you know, and I, I think he understood the that intersection of art meeting commerce pretty well. So rather than sort of throw a fit and, uh, and decide he wasn't going to make the film, he basically just rewrote part of it to incorporate zombies, uh, which we see most prominently in a big scene near the end where a large group of zombies stalk uh, the, the lead characters through a hospital. <laughs> Um, now, interestingly enough, Fulci would eventually sort of get to make his haunted house film a few years later. So, uh, in with the movie called House by the Cemetery. Now, I'm not uh, such a big fan of House by the Cemetery. I think of the 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 Beyond is kind of lumped in as what has been kind of retroactively known as Fulci's Gates of Hell trilogy. So the first film is City of the Living Dead, the second film's The Beyond, and then the third is House by the Cemetery. Um, House by the Cemetery has some great stuff in it, and it's definitely worth a watch, but I do think it's probably the weakest of those three. Um, but it, again, it's it's probably more incoherent than The Beyond, and, and I would say it's... Uh, the thing about The Beyond is, uh, even if you don't um, particularly enjoy it, it's difficult to say it's boring. Uh, there's always something happening or about to happen, you know. doesn't really uh, stay dull for any, any period. <laughs> um, uh, whereas I would say that, you know, and it's been a while since I've watched it, I, I might have to go watch it again and do another episode on it. But House by the Cemetery, I remember finding kind of bland, uh, it, or, or maybe not, bland's not the right word, but a little more boring in terms of the way the narrative plays out. But there are some great visuals, and, and the lead villain is, is pretty great when he, and horrifying when he sort of finally makes his appearance too. So so don't get me wrong, I'm not trashing it. I just think the Beyond substantially better. And I think that it is sort of almost an example of how just because you give creators creative control doesn't mean they always know what to do with it. Sometimes uh, I'm, I'm not going to be an advocate for studio interference, but I do think that sometimes limitations can work in, in artists' favor. So uh, viewing it, more recently, uh, I last watched it, uh, gosh, I, I think it would probably have to be late 2019, early 2020, so it's been about a year or so now, it's been a while. Um, I 
didn't find it push quite the same buttons for me that it did on that first viewing. Uh, I and to be fair, I, I shouldn't expect it to. You know, there'd been a lot of living in between uh, 2007 and 2019. You know, <laughs> um, if I expected to push the same buttons, then I'm uh, probably uh, that expectation's on me, not not on the film. Uh, but definitely, make no mistake, it is a really special oddity. Um, the violence and eerie atmosphere will, will definitely put off viewers who are maybe a little more casual in their enjoyment of stuff like thriller and horror, thrillers and horror, I should say. Um, you know, and, and there'll be others who un very understandably sort of, you know, watch it and say like, well, this is just like a crappy, trashy Italian film. Like, you know, why, why would I, why, you know, it's obviously got no budget. The dubbing's bad, this, that, and the other, you know, there, there's definitely people who are understandably going to be put off by the outward trappings. But I do think if you have sort of feeling, if you haven't seen it and, and you're finding that you're maybe a little bit burnt out on the sort of horror you usually like, whatever brand that might be, uh, I do definitely think it's worth watching at least once. And irrespective of how much you actually enjoy it, uh, you're still very likely to agree that there are very few other horror films uh, like it, or, or the ones that are like it are not necessarily as well executed as this one. So, look, thank you guys for, for listening to me talk about The Beyond today. Uh, I really hope you guys go and watch it yourselves and enjoy it and have a great time with it. Um, you know, uh, look, uh, I'm active over on Instagram with at Lupine Transmissions. You can go follow there. It'd be great if you go and check out some of the other shows on the Ox Network, like Are You There Pod, where my friends Jess and Josh talk through uh, talk through young adult literature from the golden era of the 80s and the 90s. Uh, Discographology, where my friend Blake and his band More of That go work their way through bands' discographies. And of course, Shelf Life, where my friends Adam and Blake uh, make their way through, uh, you know, talk about all things action figure and toy related. So uh, thank you again, guys. And in the meantime, Tom out. Yeah.